Hello and welcome back to the very queer chaos. Well, we are zip zap zopping right along to the end of 2021. I mean, what was 2021? Was this even a year? It feels like a rather confusing footnote on the even more confusing book that was 2020. What happened this year? I don't even remember. And now, presto changeo, we are in December, otherwise known as the month that presses everyone who's ever had a family's trigger buttons, especially the queers. No, I don't want to go to Midnight Mass. I'm going to take this plate of peel and eat shrimp into the corner of this Christmas party and cry. Where's the damn tartar sauce? And why are these children screaming? Whose children are these? And whose cousins are these? I went to a holiday bazaar at the Colorado Rodeo the other week and got food poisoning. If that's any indication of how I react to the holidays, well, I'm sorry to anyone that's ever invited me to a Christmas party. Now, listen, I am more than willing to be your holiday snuggle Santa as long as we can spend it somewhere where every song is in a language I can't understand, it's warm, and there isn't a fir tree in sight. Hear that, Dylan? Moving right along. On today's episode, my guest is Miller Brooks, creator and editor of Mysticum Magicae, a queer-owned and operated literary magazine focusing on magic and occult and highlighting LGBTQ, BIPOC, and women's voices. And we love to hear it. I'm going to let Miller introduce themselves in their own words, but before that, let's ride the Metro Transit Authority broom on over to Dusty Childhurst, who's always got some to say, with a segment we like to call Active Cultures. It's active. It's cultures. Trust me, it is beyond tasty. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Active Cultures. I'm your Active Culture correspondent, Dusty Childers, a.k.a. at Duddy Lynn, D-U-D-D-Y-L-Y-N-N, get into it. Um, And so this is a little segment where we just, you know, I just sort of talk about the state of culture, the state of things. And I recently spoke about um, a menswear trend, floral shirts, in a past episode, But then I started doing all of this, um, you know, uh, bathroom research when I'm sitting around on my Instagram or looking through magazines, lollygagging on the toilet. And um, I kept seeing all of this talk about what people are, um, they're coining the term dopamine dressing. Okay. (laughs) And no, I'm not talking about throwing away your Annie's got... um, and Annie's goddess dressing. Don't put it down. You love it. Don't put away your Caesar dressing. This is speaking about clothing, darling. Dressing, okay? And so dopamine dressing, I forget who coined the term. You can look that up. It's inconsequential. It's not inconse- It's not inconsequential to me. I do care about giving credit where credit is due. But dopamine dressing is this concept that you know, we're coming out of this thing, if you can even say that we're coming out of this thing, uh, which we don't need to go into what we're, what the thing is, this collective thing that we've been processing. And 
people are people are finding great joy and therapy in wearing bright colors, bold patterns, right? And so that's a shout out to my dear friend Drew Drogi, who starred in a show called Bright Colors, Bold Patterns. Uh, brilliant one-person show. Um, at any rate, um, so there's an article, I think it was on Refinery29 just the other day. My friend just sent it to me about these folks who were like, these folks are calling themselves, these folks are dopamine dressing. And I'm like, wow, like, I guess I've been doing that basically since I came out of the closet. Um, <laughs> it is. It should be no shock to anyone that putting on an outfit, it doesn't need to be a structured outfit like they've been lying to us about. You know, like people are always, you know, historically it's been like, dress up, put on something that's, you know, that's, that's fit well, you know, it's like, it's like fit nice to your body and it's professional looking and, and feel crisp in it and feel in your power. I don't subscribe to that. I do love, you know, I do love something that like, you know, gives me a nice, a nice shoulder or whatever. But I think that that's sort of like very sizes, this whole idea that like, it should be like fit to you and tailored or whatever, and also very classist. But, um, so that, there, there has been talk about feeling in your power with your look, right? Like, uh, I have a friend who bought a beautiful red dress to wear to her divorce proceedings, you know? Like, she went shopping and tried on all these red dresses and it's like, this is the fucking dress that I'm getting divorced in, you know? This bright fucking red to remind this man that he was a, an asshole to me. Um, but so, um, so it's not like, this, this is not a new concept, folks, dopamine dressing, but I do love that people are suggesting it, right? I'm like, everyone get on the ketamine therapy and everyone put on something bright. Um, <laughs> go out, go shopping. Uh, I suggest doing it secondhand because we are, you know, our landfills are full of clothing that are not going, to, it's not going to rot. It's not going to decompose, folks. If it has any amount of polyester in it, which a lot of things do, Shit's here forever, okay? Um, I just saw a fucking harrowing meme of a plastic bottle in the ocean. It's like 2021. And then it's like literally the same bottle with algae on it. 2,300 or some bullshit, like crazy shit. And I was just like, same bottle, right? Like it's like, has not lost its shape at all. Um, so anyways, don't, you know, don't go fast fashioning unless you absolutely have to, because again, dissing on fast fashion is also classist because some people really do only have the money. I still only have the funding for, you know, things that are cheap and easy, right? But, be, but get creative about it. Buy something bright. Uh, look up the effects of dopamine dressing. It's very fascinating that people are sort of digging into the research of this. Um, I think it's, you know, obviously it's not brain surgery, uh, put on something bright, stop wearing so many dark colors, unless that's your thing, you know, like if that's your thing and you're like in your black velvet, 24, 24 hours a day, 365, you've got your little, you've got your little moody hat and you're casting your spells, live your life, witch, do your thing. Or you feel like you have to let everyone know that you lived in New York City by still wearing all black while living, say, in Toledo. Or, you know, you're an, you've moved back to Omaha and you're like, I just need to set myself apart. That's called being goth, okay? Get into it, all right? All of these, nothing has happened 
that it, no, there's no true original thought. I feel like it's all reminiscent of, you know, the past, right? And so put on some bright clothes, think about it, maybe start, if you're, if you're hesitant, maybe start with a, a bright lipstick. Why not start with a nail polish? Start to feel it. I actually, um, the first winter that I was in New York City, and to, the winter of 2007, honey, it was a hard one for me, coming from the South. And I was having seasonal depression so fucking rancid. It was terrible. I had no, no idea how to process it. Um, and I worked in the fashion district. And so there used to be all these incredible costume jewelry shops. A lot of them have closed, rest in peace. But I would go on my lunch break and buy an $8 fucking huge, speaking of doing detriment to the environment, a huge fake diamond ring, massive, a cocktail, a fucking huge cocktail ring and put it on my hand. And as I was typing in my cubicle and the dregs of the fashion industry, it would catch the light of the, you know, the, the terrible abysmal lighting under the cubicles. If you've ever been in a cubicle, hopefully you never have suffered through a cubicle. But the light would catch the, the faux diamond and I would be like, Oh my God, I will be able to live to see another day. Dopamine dressing folks. Okay. You know, maybe they'll actually start making it for your salad. Maybe you can get it at sweet green. Maybe you can go to just salad and order the dopamine dressing. Who knows? Who knows the possibilities, darling? But get out there, get some color in your life, honey. Go for it. Thank you, Dusty. And now let's beam right on into the center of the queer chaos. So, um, hi. So welcome. Welcome to the chaos. I always say welcome to the chaos. Whatever you bring into the chaos stays in the chaos and then also bounces back towards you. So I'm, I apologize for that. <laughs> so welcome to the chaos. Um, can I ask you, would you mind introducing yourself, your work, and anything that um, feels important to tell our, our little band of magical queer listeners to know about you. Absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Miller Brooks. Uh, I am hermetic.arts on Instagram. Um, I'm uh, a Celtic pagan animist practitioner. I, uh, while I practice traditional witchcraft and folkloric magic, I don't use the moniker of witch quite uh, very often. Um, just um there's a lot of pain associated with that word mm -hmm. um but um from traditional witchcraft to some hermetic esotericism uh dabbling in solomonic work in my earlier practice and now just kind of like in this tradcraft celtic pagan uh 
overlapping compare and contrast bubble kind of space uh, while also dabbling in chaos magic sigils were one of the first things that I ever did as a, uh, a younger practitioner. Um, I make uh, a bunch of products. Uh, I am the editor and creator of a literary magazine um, that I started last year called Mysticum Magicae, which is mystic magic in Latin. Um, it's specifically for highlighting and uplifting BIPOC, LGBTQ+, and female or women writers. Um, it's We're in our, just had our third issue. Um, it was titled Animism and the Ancestors, and we have uh, some folks that are as uh, far-reaching as like people who actually practice be, or in the practice of being a death doula, talking about how animism and ancestors have really informed their practice. We have people talking about astrology. Um, it's really kind of spanned all kinds of different um, writing styles, uh, takes on things. And we also have creative contributors who have submitted digital sigildry, uh, photography, so that's that's kind of been the big project this year, this past 12 months, is starting of Mysticum and bringing that forward. We've, again, we've had three issues. Um, I don't know if we're going to have a fourth by the end of 2021 because we're so fastly approaching and it takes quite a bit of time. But um, that was my goal. We'll see what happens. In addition to that, I am a painter, a writer, uh, podcast host myself while Howl at the Moon has, I think, about a little over a dozen episodes right now. I haven't been podcasting independently for a little while. The last issue of the magazine, on on top of my day job, I sell paintings uh, or painting projects, both interior and exterior, in my mundane life. It just, uh, it just might not happen. Um, and then or excuse me, the podcast just, it just didn't happen in the last couple of months, but I've got some plans and some people lined up for, for that. Here comes the cat. Um, <laughs> well, hello. Yeah. Here's let me, this. Let is, me see kitty. Oh, how, how grand and gorgeous. Yeah. He's got some pretty. Oh white my God. Here. Gorgeous. I love your opera gloves, kitty. Yeah. That's what I call them. <laughs> I, my mom was like, which one's wearing the baseball tee? And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, he's a good cat. Um, what else? Uh, that's, that's pretty much it. Well, you're I, doing I it all. Denver. <laughs> um, what was, uh, what was that? I said, you're doing it all. So, I mean, you're doing it all. And then I'm you doing, said, yeah. I'm doing it sometimes too much. You know, even in the spring, I was doing like all these free workshops for people. I did like altar craft, sigil craft, candle magic. We talked about uh, Beltane and summer solstice. And it just, mm. it's a lot. It's a lot to be, I guess, a pseudo content creator at times while managing the mundane life and devoting time to my personal practice. I think that there's this. This big misconception about digital uh, occultist and that like we are what we post like 24 seven and like right. you know, sometimes we're just wearing shorts and a long sleeve t-shirt petting our cat on the carpet in well, the living hey, room. Well, let forest, you know, yeah. being all witchy and such. Well, okay. So you're doing it all, but this is not actually something I don't hear from witches, other witch friends of mine. They're doing it all. They're having, they have products, they have shops, they have, they're doing readings. They're also like having a practice. It's like a lot. I'm like, but how, so let me ask you, where is your balance? <laughs> so, um, I get 
a huge recharge from alone time. So I'm, I'm blessed in the sense that I wake up quite early every day and my partner is not usually awake until three or four hours after me. So I have this grace period in the morning of my own personal thoughts and practice and that kind of balance. And then there are times where like, we're both very, you know, either one of us is, or both of us are really uptight and wound. And one of us will just look at each other and be like, we need to go to the fucking woods like now, like today. Um, and so getting out into nature brings that kind of checkpoint in the video game of like, okay, like let's touch base and like really sit with where we are because we get so, especially in the city. I mean, we, I came from up North a little bit in the Fort Collins area. And so she was a little up North as well. And so access to nature, access to mountains, one of the best things that we've done is buy a state park pass so that we can quickly access nature on the outskirts of the city or even in the uh, the little sequestered uh, spots of, of nature in the city, like Cherry Creek State Park and um, going out into Lyons and Netherland in the summer. And like those, I mean, those moments were so important to... Uh, like our regrounding both per, like mm-hmm. personally and as a and as a couple it's great also that we practice from uh, our our magical practice is is different but our um religious so to speak um, practice we're both celtic pagans and so that is nice having also like that so like our our traditional holidays and things like that uh are also those like moments of like check-in for each other Samhain was very important for us yule and solstice coming up is going to be very important for us mm-hmm. um and but yeah i would say nature and then those moments of uh of personal solitude because i can turn it on and i can be a salesman and a, a people person but if i don't have that miller time as silly as that is um I thought you meant for a minute. I just got a flashback to my early lesbian youth with their Miller lights. <laughs> but I, I forgot. Well, I was, Miller time is actually your name. It's not associated with beer. <laughs> they used to joke when we were children, when my little brother, when my mom was pregnant with my little brother, that they were like, are you going to name the next one Bud? Budweiser, so we have Bud and Miller walking around. But I also weighed some so little my first couple of years of life because of some stomach and like surgery stuff that they actually that was that was the joke. They call me Miller Likes. I weighed less, I believe less the my on my first birthday or like close to what I weighed when I was born, like around my first mm. birthday because of how crazy um, <laughs> some things happened to me when I was little. <laughs> oh. Well, hey, you brought this in. This is funny because I I don't... Well, it, it's come in, I think, maybe once or twice on the podcast where I've talked about like um, being existing in Colorado now. And I've also brought in, you know, I'm, I am on the stolen land of um, Cheyenne, um, Utah, and Arapaho land. But I... But, but from a sort of like um, more spiritual energetic base... So you've moved. You moved to Colorado from not being here. You were in Arizona originally, or at least at least you spent a lot of time growing up in Arizona. Or am I wrong? No, you're fine here. So um, I've moved around a lot. So the very quick version of this is: I was born in Little Rock, Arkansas. I lived there until I was seven. Moved to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and then I moved 
to Atlanta, Georgia when I was 10, Iowa when I was 13, Texas for the freshman through senior year of high school. And then I went to college at Penn State in Pennsylvania. And I lived there for from 2010 to 2020, moved to Colorado last fall, August of 2020, post-pandemic or like amidst the pandemic and all of that nightmare, all that crap, and then have moved to Denver proper um, earlier this year. Right. I just heard Arizona. I don't know why I equate no Arizona with not- Arkansas. I mean, it started with an A. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> listen, sometimes I just get things confused. I'll just hear the first letter of the word and I'm like, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> I, I had a... I had a gallery that I worked with in Pennsylvania that showcased a lot of my work. And she would, my gallery uh, curator would introduce me and be like, this is Miller. He's from Alabama or one of those. Sub- Alabama, one of those sub- Arkansas, <laughs> Colorado. What, it, yeah, how did that, how did, remember, the, did you ever learn that song when you were a kid? Um, Al- I forget how it goes. You remember the, the, the state song? I did not. I remember um, <laughs> Latin and South America. Okay, well, this is more it, fancy than what I was talking about, but whatever. Go ahead. No, no, no I, can't remember, <laughs> I can't remember the stage, but I loved, I loved Spanish class in fourth grade. Uh, I really did, and I loved like being able to memorize all those things. So I thought it was so awesome. Um, but then I'm horrible at Spanish because I have a reading disability. <laughs> learned that later in life as well it was great why can't i why can't i read this or write this but i can speak this oh well you you've moved right on apparently to land and that's quite impressive so what i wanted to ask you was okay maybe i'll just i'll put it in a more generic question how is colorado in your system Hmm. so i um I talked about this in a live recently because, um, to be honest, like moving to Colorado, I was very, very excited. I was um, extremely excited to to be a part of what looked like a well-established, really healthy, positive uh, occult, like accepting occult witchcraft, just magic community. And you found this in a magazine? Oh, no, I mean, I, anyway. you read this in Reader's oh. Digest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> three places to live your best witch life. And Denver, Colorado is at the top of the list. But um, upon moving here and uh, upon uh, dipping my toe, so to speak, into that community, both on a, in a romantic sense and in just like a community sense, uh, I was sadly disappointed. Um, there are multiple, what I would say, uh, what I know now are like these perceived pillars of community um, that are just, they're just very fragile, uh, it would seem. I, I've seen a lot of things fall uh, and crumble, and I've seen people treat people really horribly and for really horrible reasons, most of which are very, like, I would say high school feeling. Like, I have not, I, I, Dipping my toe into the occult community of Colorado has given, has led to some of the most unnecessary drama that I've ever dealt with mm. in my life. I have not dealt with some of this type of bullshit, like even in high school, like this paramount compared to what I dealt with, like in my 
clicky. I was like the emo kid that got really good at swimming and then became like kind of popular, but still retained like his weirdness. But if I hadn't been a swimmer, I would have been a fucking like a nobody in my high school, like in comparison. Um, but the drama was just, I mean, oh my God. Like I've had people call me, did people text me out of the blue, message me on Instagram, block me on Instagram, unfollow me on Instagram. Sorry, that, I blocked you. Joking. Uh, yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had people like like message me and be like, it's not that I blocked you because I don't like you. It's like it's political because I'm afraid that like yada yada yada. And I I also know that like this makes makes it sound like the community is also just like extremely toxic for no reason. And I will not um deny my hand in being kind of a a mover and a shaker, so to speak, of if I see something that I don't think is right, it's very hard for me and all of my Scorpio placements to not be like, that's fucked up. And I won't necessarily, and I have been very, like I said in that live, I've been extremely graceful in my opinion. There are a couple people that, um, whether they like me for whatever reason or not, should like in the most respectful and graceful way possible, should really just chill out because some of the things that uh, some of the body, like some of the bodies that I know where they're buried, so to speak, would be really, really bad for a few people. And it's just, it's just been a little, it's just been a little nuts. Honestly, mm. the first year here, I've, I've been very unimpressed. I've been super surprised. Um, I will say the, the BIPOC magic community have nothing but love and respect for because I see no bullshit. And I also know that they have to work twice as hard as every other white practitioner on here. And I respect just the stick to itness and like just being who they are, because I've always said that people will eventually show you who they are. And it's nice to see that some people I've been following for a really long time and have met in person are who they are. Um, and I respect the hell out of that. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of my my year in a day in Colorado. Mm. Uh, I wish it was different. I wish it was better. Uh, but I've also, I can't say that I wish it was better. I wish that um, I've seen subsequently a lot of people get hurt. Um, and I can also see how a lot of people could be hurt by the fallacy that a lot of people perpetuate in this community. And... Um, you know, I had this post that said it's it is it is fucked up if your coven functions like a click. If like you feel scared to be a part of your magical group, or you feel like you have to change who you are to be a part of your magical group, I'm sorry, you will be more successful as a solitary practitioner. Fuck people. Like just if any if anyone listening has never heard that before, you do not need other people to be a successful practitioner. The most of us are solitary. I, I, I don't know if anyone's ever said that on Instagram either. Well, they've it's said it they've fallacy. said it in this podcast yeah. many a time. Fallacy so. of covens everywhere of like groups of people who meet regularly under the new and full also. If anyone on this podcast has never said, if someone is telling you that you need to come back every new and full moon to do shadow work and ritual work and specifically led by a specific person fuck that they're lying to you and they're griffing yeah. you and you need to like check yourself and maybe see a therapist well i'm so sorry i you know i'm sorry that you've you've experienced this but at the same time i'm really really feeling into the energy of this and i 
I've said this, I don't know if I said this on this podcast, but I've said this to different friends of mine that I've had a very challenging time here. And it's not necessarily a challenging time that, um, that, um, rings around a certain community, but I've, but I've definitely found that I have been living in this psychotomy between, oh, gorgeous mountains, energy, living within the the sort of scenery here, living within the sort of like other than human world that lives here. But at the same time, like back on the ground, disconnected people. Like what are the, who are these people? <laughs> they don't understand. I feel like disconnection. Like I, I've never had a harder time trying to find a community or a support system here. And I've, I've, I've gone, I've, I've gone far and above and over the fucking fence. I, I've joined a dodgeball league, which I knew was the end of me. I'm like, oh, so I'm just going right back into the trauma of elementary school. Cool. We're going to make some friends there. I'm going to play some dodgeball, throw some balls at people. I'm like, and still, even if in that community, such a disconnection. And I don't know. And because I also have my sort of like energy lens, my, my panorama goggles on, I'm trying to see, you know, my bringing my own shadow in there, you know, what does it mean to bring myself to it? And at the same time, still be, still be faced with this sort of very disconnected material. And I've experienced it now and again and again and again. And I, and I think it may just be because I don't know. It could be many things. It could be a landlocked community. It could be a community where landlocked actually doesn't just become about the terrain, but it becomes about the personality so that people move here and they feel um, a sort of container that is safe to them. And even though it's not safe, they find their own cliques. And in finding their own cliques, they create these like kind of wall-like boundaries around what they have so that then their experience of everyone else is like, please do not penetrate my wall because I've worked so hard to get here. So then that disconnection kind of breeds outward and it's just like, it's like everyone's in their own thing. And, and I will say that it does exist within the witch communities here too. And I've felt it. Um, and that's not to throw shade at the communities that I'm also involved with. I teach with communities here. But I will say within those teaching of communities here, I found that I had to jump through some fucking hurdles, you know? And I and I appreciate um, um communities where my where I literally have to think about my own privilege and what it meant to live in that pri- privilege for a while and not have to jump through hurdles. But at the same time, I do feel that what you're saying is like there are communities here that are very clicky and even the communities within our marginalized locations as witches as other beings bisexual queer whatever there are still hurdles to jump through so i i appreciate you for bringing that in very very much you're welcome i appreciate you asking um otherwise i mean the landscape of colorado and um is i mean it's unlike it's definitely unlike any other place i've lived and i i definitely was drawn to the landscape and um you know during the when i moved here during the pandemic like going out to the same um hiking trails and things like that but i i will i will agree with you as well that outside of just like these these microcosms um colorado as a whole it's not um 
And I understand too that it's like rancher, you know, like like cattle rancher, that kind of southern, that kind of western southern, where like I'm from Arkansas, where it's like you move into the house and everyone in the neighborhood has come to introduce themselves and like has baked you something. And that Southern hospitality can be extremely toxic too. I don't want anyone to think that that's, that's all like boundaries are important, but, um, it is, um, there's a coldness here, even though it's, uh, it's not, uh, New York in New York, the cold, I will say, or in the Northeast, I like to say the, the cold itself has the ability to like get into your clothes and then it gets into your skin and then it gets into your bones. Like it's a cold that wants to kill you. And that's like, kind of the energy of new york right Uh, of new york city it's like you know can you make it can you can you rough it and get out here and out here it's like oh like during the day like it's so you know it's a little brisk and it's like that you know it's a peppermint patty commercial it's like that invigorating kind of cold but the nights here will will straight up murder you i mean it's it is that shift that liminal shift of of day to night here in colorado is really when the cold sets in and it's a it's a dark cold. It's, it's, it's not, not as aggressive, but it's, I also, I like to think about weather and how it informs behavior as well. So like back East when it turns, you know, right, right now it's super sunny here in Denver, in, in, or in Denver, but in Pennsylvania, it's gray and they haven't seen sunlight in a couple days. And that seasonal affective disorder, there should be like a, there, I know the abbreviation is sad, but there should be a version that's called mad because Six months of gray can really change your attitude. Uh, I'm very thankful for the amount of sun we have out here. Well, how do you feel about this? I'm just I'm just coming up with this now. So, how would you feel about New York? New York, as you've said, is an intellectual coldness, as opposed to Colorado, which is a body or somatic coldness. I just thought of that. Um, I and and because I I grew up in Pennsylvania. I grew up. In, in Philadelphia, and I lived in New York City, and I experienced um, the the coldness on the people are like, people are mean here. No, they're just intellectual. It's like if you can't if you can't be able to um, take feedback and also give feedback forward, you're not going to be in relationship with a lot of people from the East Coast because it's an intellectual community. But here, Denver, which is very much. Hey, and and I will I will love to have a conversation with someone that disagrees with me, but it's not an international community. And and you feel very much a sort of body and somatic coldness here. And it's just basically people that cannot make contact with other people in a sort of social way. Hmm. Well, it's interesting because I mean, while Denver is a city. It's probably, and it's, it's so amazing in so many other ways, right? Like it's art scene and some of, some of its wow. cultural aspects are, are quite incredible, but New York city, it, it, it was LA and New York city were the two cities that like came up with the rate of, of technology and intellect and everything like they. I would say are on trend or like on path with them where I feel like Denver, while, while it is such a big city really didn't have to until honestly, like the cannabis boom where like this, this new type of, or like cannabis slash tech boom of, of Broomfield and, and Denver proper that brought in a different type of person. But yeah, the outskirts, I mean, they didn't have to, I would say like climb 
the technological rate of inflation or the or the uh emotional intelligence rate of creation the fashion rate of inflation um well there's no fashion here but that's another story but <laughs> you know you know it's funny because i always pass the denver tech center and i know that they're doing something and i kind of want to know what is the denver tech like what is the denver tech center they're doing something and like i'm so curious about what they're doing here but at the same time my understanding of it is, is that people fly in from other places to go and be in a corporate meeting there. So the Denver Tech Center itself sort of exists like a spaceship you could transplant to fucking Arizona, because I brought it up earlier. I mean, you can transplant it to Area 51, but it's like this little isolated community. But there is a there's a tech thing happening here. But whether that's sort of like having tendrils to the rest of the community, I don't fucking know. I don't talk to those people <laughs> yeah my um my mother actually works at the denver tech center but she's in finance so like they it's not oh, okay. even like a specifically only tech uh building yeah that's the, i think that's another thing about this huge influx of people too in colorado and a lot of them being tech people you know people are moving to fort collins and not working there because they can work from their computer and they really love the amenities that mm. the suburbs of Denver proper have. You know, even like the Broom, Broomfield, Longmont is becoming gentrified and, and going to be, you know, that's where blue collar Boulder County <laughs> lives, you know. Um, but there's just so many people coming in and working for other companies that don't even exist in the Colorado communities and, and just really here for the lifestyle and the amenities that the mountains offer. There are people that just love mountain biking. So they move to Boulder and they go up and down that stupid hill every day. <laughs> Let me tell you. Okay, bitch. <laughs> I go on some hiking trails around here and they're, the elevation is like, have you been on a treadmill where you've walked at 12%? I don't get how people can ride their Bikes a mess. I'm like the, the people. I I don't get it. Like I literally, if you put me on a treadmill for three minutes on a twelve percent grade, I'm like, I don't like this. I could do something <laughs> else with my time, and I have to deal with this. And I see the people bike up these trails like. 60, 70 years old. I'm like, oh, these people must have been doing it since the wheel wasn't bented, and they just know how to do it. <laughs> well, so I mean that's the weird part about like boulder is it it was such like a hippie community i mean it was like for like people who love to mountain bike and people who love to kayak and yeah. people who love to rock climb and now all those things i don't know it's hard to tell like if specific activities have become mainstream or if just fitness in general or like uh outdoor adventure type stuff has just if that's what skyrocketed or is it just like an overall no it definitely hit? has i mean uh, and of course you know we have the flagship rei here we have patagonia right. we have things we have the um biggest rock climbing gym which is the gym that i go to at earth tracks i mean we have like yep. it's definitely a hub for for inviting people into that sort of lifestyle now i think that people actually and and too because it is a hub the the ta the it's known that Boulder, Colorado is the hub. So people move here. And I especially found that in the pandemic, just going out and talking to people, where did you move from New York City? Where did you move from LA? Where did you move from Portland? People ca came into Colorado 
during the pandemic because they wanted to get out of these these very confined urban situations where COVID felt very, they couldn't move. There's no mobility, so they came here. And I feel that we absorbed a lot of them. And in turn, by absorbing a lot of these folks, there was a housing crisis. And that's the sort of ongoing thing here. But hey, listen, this is a whole thing about Colorado. But I want to actually go, <laughs> I want to actually go back to you. So I want to go back. You you said something earlier, which I would love if you can kind of unpack for people. So, um, well, you said one thing about witchcraft. You said, I don't particularly identify as a witch. But then you said one thing about um, Celtic paganism. Um, and I think you termed it with religion as opposed to maybe something else like spirituality or a path or witchcraft. So could you maybe unpack for people um, Celtic paganism from your own experience of it and then also maybe talk a little bit about why you attach religion as a term to it? Okay, yeah, definitely. Um, so both me and my partner um, have done both like ancestry kits, but also like tracing ancestry. And we both know that we're, you know, 400 years ago, we have people buried um, in Ireland and in the United Kingdom. And I, for a long time, when I came to the craft, kind of treated witchcraft like my religion, um, which because of Wicca, um, the, the, the new age that is Wicca. Um, tell, tell me, actually, I'm going to pause you for a minute, if you don't mind. <laughs> tell, me, tell me about what you mean by the new age that is Wicca. So, um, Wicca is less than 100 years old. Um, it takes, I would say it's like the original cafeteria witchcraft religion it's they they went down the line with their tray and pointed to a bunch of different stuff and compiled this really nice supposedly succinct practice and i don't please any people who are practicing if you're gardarian alexandrian eclectic whatever i i don't i'm not invalidating your practice i just think it's important to note that there has been some overlap that uh, before I would say like this witchcraft occult renaissance that we've had in the last 20 years, um, a lot of people kind of thought that Wicca and witchcraft were synonymous, that the Sabbaths mm. were also, um, which again, were taken from different places. So like Samhain, Samhain is originally a Celtic holiday. It's the Gaelic word for November, but it is also what most people associate with uh, Halloween for Wicca. Um, and they're very different things. I actually got into a, uh, a decent argument with another popular person on Instagram because they used the word Samhain as a time to describe, you know, just Halloween and all this stuff and didn't really speak about the Celtic origins of this and what it really means. And they're one of the beautiful things about that time of the year is that. Uh, in South America, in Ireland, and the UK, in parts of uh, the Middle East, this time of year is all about death and, and visiting with our ancestors. And it's, it's synonymous globally, which is really beautiful. But for people who actually practice the Celtic pagan tradition to 
to have to have Samhain, for example, conflated to and diminished to Halloween, which is honestly like the Christian repurposing of our Celtic holiday, because when Christianity came over to Celtic Ireland, it I mean, they reconsecrated our trees. They actually had Christian priests and things like walk around the trees that mm, my ancestors found sacred and and reconsecrated them. Like they would reconsecrate ground for a church or a cemetery. They decided to change the way those things were, like literally, like in their mind, like made spiritually, so that when they were then prayed to, even if they were prayed to thinking that they were the Druidic trees or the family trees or the ancestor trees, that they would be then venerating Christ. So the reason that I, and this is a long-winded way of saying, Celtic paganism is more like a religion. It's a way of existing in the world. There are um, things that we do. It's not just like, oh, this day is special. Let me do X, Y, Z. There's a reason for it. Um, Their religion, though, was an animistic one. They believed that the spirits indwelled within things. Um, There was a cyclical nature to the the year. There was the light and the dark half. And there are things that me and my partner do. Like There are things that we make and things that we consume and things that we do in nature associated with the different times of the year. And witchcraft, uh, two things real quick too, witchcraft is inherently gay, queer, and transgressive. Um, those are the two big things there. But witchcraft is not a religion. It is a spirit. It is a practice. And it is, but it's not something that necessarily informs the way that I act in the world in the way that Celtic paganism does, or like my animistic perspective. Um, Also, I mean, this has been a big topic around um, the internet lately because of Kyle Rittenhouse and like hexing. Mm. For anyone out there listening, if, uh, if you think like making a hex or like harming someone or using bodily fluids like piss and blood and excrement and other things like that is gross, I apologize, but you are not practicing witchcraft and you're not, by technical terms, a witch. Like, And that word has been co-opted to mean so many different things. I had a beautiful conversation with uh, Julia of Occulta on my podcast about how in Spain, there is a huge delineation from like magic practitioner to using the word witch. Because in Spain, there is a what they mean when they say witch or when they say bruja, it means that there is a, a chthonic entity, not like you, it's not you are the witch, like it is a spirit. And it's very different from the way that the word witch has been kind of co-opted and reclaimed. I mean, I, I get to that people are like, I'm reclaiming it. Well, nobody died in Salem. You are not the daughters of witches they could not burn. And most of what I see people practicing, and it's not Again, it's not about shame. I just, you're not, most of you people on the internet that are doing like these little spell jars or folk folk things, it's not witchcraft. And I'm sorry, it's, and it's no shame to you. Can I pause you for a second? Because I sure. just want to, I just want to bring you back. So um, you say the talking of fluids, like blood and piss and things. And I, I just want to understand. So, so you're, um, and you 
related it under the sort of sentence of Kyle Rittenhouse and hexes. And um, so you are you saying um, just like bleeding, peeing, and and then just like doing something with that doesn't necessarily mean a hex. Like you're just basically right. you're 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 causing destruction in a way that's that's maybe not formed or with under a sort of informed understanding of of how magic or energy works is that what you're saying I, what yes i would I, I think that's a fair um and i got a little heated there i apologize yeah no please be heated here i just want to um, and then when i pause you it's I, not under any type of disrespect it's just like i want to just i want to hear more what you want to say about that yeah I, um, what I mean though, is like bodily fluids and, um, multiple people that I follow Austin at Baynex Bramble, um, for example, just made posts about this recently too, that like, if it bothers you to, I'm just trying to get people to understand how dirty witchcraft is and how, um, not, I mean, just not pretty. It really is. I mean, like there are things that require, um, just the nastier parts of life and, and using those, um, sometimes banefully against people. Um, I just think that there's a lot of people like, Oh, like witchy tip this. And I'm like, that is a cute little folk charm. I don't necessarily, uh, think that people who practice tradcraft would really say like that's that falls in line with witchcraft and i think that uh with the google analytics of it all so to speak with with witch and light work and all of this stuff also this is a this is one of my weird takes i if you are doing guided witchy meditations um under the guise of tradcraft and use things like chakras that's really um that's really confusing and really weird and i don't really understand like there's just a lot of weird overlap and i think that i've said it on my podcast before you can be kind of that cafeteria practitioner you can be a chaos magician and take understand the system very clearly and take what you want and make this super crazy practice um but i think people should just do a lot more research um when it comes to yeah. the word witchcraft, I'm trying. So I'm, I'm just. What's coming up for me as I'm trying to feel into what you're saying right now is, um. So for the first thing is, I think the dirtiest thing you can do is actually just listen to what your nervous system is doing while you practice, and it's dirty, um, because you have to tune into how you're sort of responding to doing any type of magical craft. Um, and it took me a very long time to realize this. I mean, when I was a kid, I was fucking, you give me that practical magic book, I'm gonna light all these motherfucking bullies on fire in the back of the bus. That was my big thing. <laughs> Honey, she was putting out candles by the bus stop. I'm like, let me pull up all a mother's Christmas candles from the basement and we're gonna put those out by the driveway. <laughs> that's what I was doing. <laughs> but look, 30 probably 30 30 years later i was doing that when i was like 10 30 years later feeling into how your system is responding to why you want to bend things why do you want to see yourself in the universe and why do you want the universe to elicit certain things for you like 
if you can't, if you have a spell and that spell is, listen, bitch, I'm going to get this condo and this condo is going to be lined with windows. It's going to be on the 40th floor. I'm going to have all this money. I'm a partner who loves me. I'm a partner with blonde hair. I'm going to have all these things. But can you see this for yourself? And when you see that for yourself, how do you feel in this moment? Like, do you feel like, I can really see myself here. I can really see this happening for myself. Would you start to feel like this could never happen to me? God, I'm such a loser. Oh my God, I can never see this happen to me. Like, where, where is your system in all of this? And that's one of the biggest things where I always think is the dirtiest moment of doing any type of witchcraft or magical practice or even fucking go out in nature and realizing that the sentient beings that are all around you are experiencing the same fucking thing. Now, they don't have the language for what you're experiencing because they're animals, but they are experiencing the same fucking thing. And when they're looking back at you, they're like, bitch, is this bitch going to kill me? Do I need to run over here? We're all experiencing the same things as sentient beings. So the dirtiest thing is, can we possibly, can we possibly tune into our nervous systems to understand what's going on for us. Even before you start digging your hands into the earth, before you start dealing with plants, before you start dealing with poisons, before you start lighting candles on fire. And I think that's the dirtiest thing in witchcraft. It's just tuning into your system. And I think that that, I appreciate you for that statement because I think it will help me kind of ground what I think I was trying to say. If you are instead of if you can't use these things but if you are afraid to let the um the darker aspects of yourself take full control while you are you know like if you're doing a working and you are you know in that in that dark trance space where where spirit is telling you like get that root and get this and spit in it and do and if you can't fall into that space and allow the cathon the cathonia in you to take over mm-hmm. i'm sorry then then that that was i guess a better way of saying you're probably not practicing what you think is witchcraft and at the same what, time what is witchcraft. i'm sorry to interrupt you at the same time everyone should have a therapist <laughs> because when you talk about shadow i will tell you I thought I have been on a deep shadow dive for the past five years, and it took me. I'm f- I'm going to be 45 in March, so I mean it's it's been a long fucking time, you know. But um, I always say have a therapist or have have some type of person. I have a therapist. <laughs> Don't even have just some type of person. Have a therapist because when we dive into shadow work we're going into trauma and we're going into some deep places. And that trauma may be of our lifetimes. It could be of past lifetimes. It could be collective. But we're going into spaces where, wow. Like, I, you know, when you bring this up too, I think it it goes back to the same thing. Well, I know that bitch hurt you, but what is it really? What is it really making you feel? Does it, is it really just making you feel, God, that bitch, that bitch told me off in the club and I don't like her and I'm going to do a spell about her. But what is it really touching upon? Because it's not just touching upon you in that moment. It's touching upon something else. And that something else could be a bit deeper. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I, I second that. Everyone should have a therapist. Everyone should definitely have people. Honestly, have some muggle friends because our normal friends are sometimes the best people to check us uh, in our, in just like how we're interacting and feeling. They don't have to be the most spiritually minded people to understand like what mania might look like or mm. what, another, you know, and I don't want to make, um, I don't want to make the association of like practicing witchcraft or doing anything spiritual with mental illness. Cause that's obviously not fair, but, um, we do have to have these the checkpoints in the video game of life to make sure that we're, we're doing okay. Um, if you keep, if you find yourself, you know, repeating the same level of the game over and over and no one's like really like stopped to, to interact with you and, and check you, it's something they say that insanity is doing the same thing every day and expecting a different result. But I think that we can, as we get older, it's easier to identify maybe these patterns that we find ourselves stuck in. And if the people that have been around you for this last little while have not recognized that pattern and have not done you the service or like, or done you basically the disservice of not bringing it up and wanting to see you get better, maybe somebody else outside of your circle can do that for you and can bring you back to a level of clarity that you didn't have uh, while kind of going through this rat race of of whatever checkpoint in the li- video game of life you're in. Yeah. Hey, listen, it's, 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 it's no, there's a big reason why queer folks, trans folks, BIPOC folks are pulled back to lineages that they might even not know about. It's the reason why people are pulled to magic because quite frankly, magic is all you can do when you're put into a fucking corner. Um, in society, it's like, what else do we have? We have magic. And I love that, that there are, that there is so much pull into the magic community, but I doesn't go without the understanding of what you're saying, which is get some grounding. I think more or less get some grounding. Hey, listen, I want to ask you about one more thing. Cause you, you have this magazine <laughs> and you just put out a new issue. So tell me about what's going on in the new issue, what you're doing with the magazine and where people can find it. Absolutely. Um, the magazine is called Mystica Magicae. This third issue is titled Animism and the Ancestors. It has uh, six, write- uh, six writers, I believe five creative contributors. Um, and then my, uh, my every issue has a letter from the editor at the end where I talk about what's next and what, uh, no matter when it happens, the next issue... Uh, if it's this year or if it's in 2022, the next issue theme is going to be entitled Sacrifices and the Sacrosanct. Um, sacrosanct meaning that which cannot be interfered with because it is so sacred to the individual or to the group. Um, you can go to my website, hermeticarts333.com. Um, and it should be the first item in my store. Uh, issue two and issue three are available. Um, the issue two has, I believe almost 11 writers and six creative contributors. Um, their works of love, uh, the community continues to just blow me away, um, with what they contribute and their ideas. And I mean, honestly, without the support of everybody thus far, this would literally just be PDFs on my iPad. Um, the ability to actually have printed 50 copies of the first issue and 
sold all of them and then working through issue two and three has been a really big blessing. So um, the link in my bio on Instagram and you can follow Mysticum Magicae. It's just mysticum.magicae on Instagram. That's also in my bio. Again, I'm Hermetic Arts, hermetic.arts on Instagram. And um, that's about it. Uh, my really good friend, Lauren, who is a drag performer in New York, did an amazing um, rendition of St. Lucia, who's the patron saint of the blind. And it's like this mm. gory, fucking wicked metal like version mm. of it. Because all that. of their drag is just so amazingly creepy. And I just love it. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I was so happy to have you on. We've, uh, well, at least I've stalked you on Instagram. I don't know if you were stalking me, but I'm, so I'm very happy to finally have had you on for a chat. Are you an LGBTQ plus identified individual that has a humorous story of failure? Attempted a pandemic hobby that didn't go as planned? A witch whose spell brought unexpected results? Tried cooking a new dish for a dinner party that veered horribly off course? Queer Chaos Podcast wants to hear from you. At this show, we rally around the queer art of failure and experiments that didn't quite make it. Email your funny trips down the tried it lane to queerchaospodcast at gmail.com and your story might land right here on our little show. Please include a first name you'd like to be known by and the city town you're located in. We won't share any other information. We ain't trying to dox a bitch. And please, make it a story and not just the result. Like, my cat puked on my date. Queer Chaos is hosted and co-produced by me, John Malitris, and recorded at House of Pod in Denver, Colorado. Our podcast cover art was created by Evan Lorenzen, who you can find on the Instagrams at Art and Such Evan. That's A-R-T-A-N-D-S-U-C-H-E-V-A-N. Evan is also an amazing tattoo artist based in Denver, so check them out. You can find Queer Chaos on Instagram at Queer Chaos Podcast and online at QueerChaosPodcast.com. If you have some coins you can throw our way, we are on the Patreon, which is linked through our website, QueerChaosPodcast.com. Those coins go to monthly studio fees, website, and admin upkeep. And don't forget to send us your stories to QueerChaosPodcast at gmail.com. Until next show, embrace the queer chaos.